but now we Hi. are serious. We are. This is serious time because it doesn't get more serious than Lord of the Rings. Do I sound like a newscaster? A little Hello. bit. <laughs> You're preparing for your Welcome. job at NPR to exclusively <laughs> talk about Lord of the Rings. I'm- <laughs> NPR, if you're listening, I'm ready for that offer. I can do this. Syndicate me. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to Talking with Friends. That's my impersonation of the guy from Parks, Parks and, Rec. and Rec. Yeah. I just love the... What is it? And now it's time for jazz plus jazz equals jazz. Yes. <laughs> it's my favorite thing. Or he was the the second time they cut. He's like noisy lesbians playing the drums, <laughs> or whatever it was. It was like something yeah. really random. Yeah, I love that. I love NPR and I love making fun of NPR. So I don't know how that will help us get on NPR. But if they're listening, I'm willing to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> but hi. Uh, and it's Tolkien with Friends. And in today's episode, we're covering the chapters A Shortcut to Mushrooms and A Conspiracy Unmasked and less than 10 minutes of the film. It's like... Two boobs. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I I knew it was going to be short and I guesstimated 10 minutes and I was pretty close. It was just under. Wow. Under 10 minutes. Um, because it's literally in the movie, it immediately... The next shot is... Gandalf riding into Isengard, talking to Saruman, wizard duel, and then Frodo running into Merry and Pippin in Far- Farmer Maggot's crops. They run into some Nazgul. They're, it's like the implication of them being chased all day because uh-huh. it's daytime when they first see the Nazgul and then it cuts to being nighttime and they're like, what was that? Yeah. Um, and then they escape the Nazgul by getting on the Buckleberry Ferry. I think about how I want to see a Nazgul crawling on the ground and like sniffing and licking things. I've thought about that like at least once a day since you've told me. (laughs) Since since we last talked? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like... You know, because they, they really do harp on the sniffing, and it's and I'm great, and I it's great that they do they do sniff in the the movie, but there's That's not true. that super like the highest tension we get besides like the ultimate comfort like confrontation that we see later. You know, the first time that we see them is the most that we see them. You know, besides them being on horses, mm-hmm. um, at this point in the movie, like we've seen him and he's on the horse, and they're under that little hollow of that tree. And he does make the sniffing sounds, but he doesn't like get on the ground. And I and like the moment in the and they they do see them again at night, but they're on horses this time. There's no them like in the darkness. You can kind of make it out, like it crawl like that. They they could have done it. Yeah, and they could have done it. As just a movie watcher, I definitely didn't realize that that's what they were doing with sniffing. Um, mm-hmm. I just thought it was like a intense, like I don't know sound or thing that they were doing to like emphasize their movements um but to now know that they're like sniffing is really creepy i know and i and love that <laughs> yeah it they are super creepy and i yeah they're super creepy and it's and it's like there's a moment in um was it last no it's it's this chapter they're um trying to get away from so this immediately after they wake up after seeing the elves and they're like at first they're like hey like they're feeling pretty good that morning like they don't feel like they know they're being pursued but they're like kind of walking it off if that makes sense and they are in the woods um they're still undercover and they're so they feel kind of safe in a way and they're eating and taking a break and they start singing and that's when they first hear the sc- the call mm-hmm. and that's when they realize that there's more than one. So they hear it like, ah, like the, yeah, I'm not going to scream it, but like, <laughs> but they hear it one closer and one further away. And that's when they're like, Oh snap. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, they were feeling, you know, it's like when you're feeling like, ah, and then it's like, that that anxiety again and so they are like afraid to move or leave mm-hmm. you know but then they finally do and that's when they run into farmer maggot in the books 
in the books. Yeah. 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 So we can talk Farmer Maggot or we could talk Wizard Duel. Um, Wizard Duel is dope. Okay. I... I, I we'll start rewatching. Yes, I rewatch when I was rewatching the movie mm-hmm. in preparation to talk to you. I was like, "Wow, they they went for it. It's so good." Ian and Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. They're they're they've got good chemistry, so it really feels like he is. He feels so betrayed. And he's like, "Fuck! Now I have to. Sorry. Um. Now I have to. <laughs> now I have to fight my like mentor. You know. Yeah. This sucks. Um. And I would assume that the creators of of Harry Potter. I honestly don't remember which movie it is. It's maybe five where Dumbledore is battling Voldemort. Oh yeah. And mm-hmm. it is like one of the most like I think beautiful like fight sequences in it was. that particular movie they had to have been inspired by this because it's just it's so dynamic and interesting yeah you know and it's like that is because most of the time um ma- like obviously the movies take magic and middle earth kind of like up to a 10 probably but i was just talking about this with josh about how magic in middle earth is so so subtle and not because it always has been because in the silmarillion we see sauron like he like as a maya he can shape shift like you don't have they just choose a form that they like and like he's a vampire sometimes and they have werewolves and you know some of the elves even have the type of magic to turn change the way they appear so that they can be orcs or like they can be um like luthien and baron they turn they disguise themselves as also a vampire and a werewolf like so there's there's stuff like that um but in the lord of the rings the books everything is so much more subtle and i think mm-hmm. tolkien preferred it on you know in in some ways to like harry potter type magic right like everything is um like the magic of the ring like they've he's imbued his spirit into it and it's not like shooting sparks or anything but it can like subtly change things and i was talking about how um like saruman's magic like obviously like we go on to see him like inventing something like gunpowder and for two towers you know to try to take down the wall there um but his main ability the thing that you have to watch out for is his voice because he can get you to like it's it's not just what he's saying or how he's saying it but like the literal like properties of his voice are able to get you to start believing or thinking a certain way Mm -hmm. that he wants you to so it's like if you're susceptible to it then you can easily become like under his sway you know and like Gandalf I think he is he never really shows like his full power I don't even think when he's Gandalf the White that he does um but his you know because he kind of like sticks to the job and that's like guiding and supporting the peoples of Middle Earth to fight evil so that like he's the 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 like the best supporting actor literally if you know if you want to put it in those terms like he's role is not to be the lead but you see it in these moments of like being able to shed light on things or like when he he casts some kind of spell to help them get away from like the Balrog or whatever um in the books we'll see but you know mm-hmm. it's like it's like crafting it's like the it's 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 much on a different scale like when you see um with Theoden later and him like helping him kind of leave Saruman's you know I don't know what the word is but like under his kind of uh dominion in a way um but here we get to see them like go at it Mm -hmm. you know and I Mm -hmm. thought it was like it's a very cool scene Mm -hmm. and and I think it's interesting because in the move in the books we Frodo is told we're in the books we are pretty much always seeing things from the Hobbit's perspective like 
if we whenever we change things it's like usually Frodo and Sam or Merry and Pippin or you know that's kind of I think why he splits them up because then we're always seeing it from like the little guy's perspective Mm -hmm. and so from what we see we we have no idea why Gandalf hasn't shown up you know we don't find out until we see him again in Rivendell but here they've kind of you know adjusted things so that we're kind of following along as things happen and so we do see Gandalf figure out that Saruman is a traitor essentially but then we don't see him again until Rivendell and I think it's a probably like a good choice and so far as narratively speaking like when you're like cinematically like because Gandalf literally says like I'm gonna go see Saruman and which he doesn't say to Frodo because he doesn't know that's what he's about to do um but we don't know that yet in the book so can't talk about it Uh oh (laughs) Uh, (laughs) otherwise what are we going to talk about no just kidding (laughs) um so he knows that he has you know so he leaves to go figure some stuff out um, and but plans to be back in time for Frodo's birthday, but he never does. Mm-hmm. And so we just kind of see Frodo trying to manage that situation as best he can. But I think that like for like a movie going audience, it's like for pacing purposes, it's probably helpful to see him go do that and then kind of lose that battle in a way and then cut back to Frodo. So then you're more like, oh no, what's gonna happen yeah 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 totally because it's like Gandalf is you know just seeing four little hobbits go out against some Nazgul by themselves that's pretty it's pretty scary yeah and like what are they gonna do yeah so so that's pretty much where the movie leaves us um so now I think we can um talk about what isn't in the movies and primarily that's farmer maggot so uh let's see now in the movie uh farmer maggot is really just like a way to get mary and pippin on the journey mm-hmm. <laughs> he's just kind of like you see his scythe and yep. him being like oh no. come back here yeah <laughs> get off my lawn <laughs> kind of situation um which isn't like wrong as far as characterization sort of um it's really a nod i think it's like getting mary and pippin there and kind of a nod to in the books frodo when they realize that they're on farmer maggot's property um, like I was saying before, he's ups- he's like up nervous about it because he does not want to run into Farmer Maggot because he used to steal mushrooms from him as a tween, and for a tween for a Hobbit is like before thirty three, so like in your twenties. Yeah, which I think is funny, and I want to adopt this um, age system. That just seems right. Yeah, like coming of age at thirty three, absolutely. I mean, it definitely tracks more. I feel like like. Right? You don't really... like the way your, your brain develop and everything? Yes. <laughs> don't expect me to be an adult at 18. No one knows what they're doing. It, barely people know what they're doing at 30. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of when you start getting your act together. Yeah. So, so um, I don't know who I need to petition to adopt the Hobbit coming of age system. Yes. But well, only we lived as long as Hobbits. Yeah. Well, I mean... What was it? I think they're only supposed to live to be like a hundred, maybe a little over a hundred. Oh. Yeah. They're not that much. And I maybe at the, I should have looked up the age expectancy when Tolkien was alive. Oh. Is it slightly less? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think we live longer, like, the further into... Right age we go i mean you know like time age. time yes yeah. yes right so maybe we'll look that up and bring it up next time yeah but, notes for uh, next time someone remind me no i'm just kidding um <laughs> but so but I, they're like 100 ish okay like 
Bilbo is 111 at the beginning of the book, and everyone's calling him, like, well-preserved, you know? Like, they're like, eh, pretty good. But then, you know, some people are disappointed when they die at, like, 105. Like, you know, I feel like hobbits are weirdly competitive about their age. I didn't know that. Yeah. But it's, like, 100-ish. Okay. I think it's about right. Um... How did we get talking about that? Uh, we were talking about Frodo stealing mushrooms when he was a baby. Tweet. Yeah. Okay. So Frodo's upset. And then but Pippin's like, no, Farmer Maggot's cool. Mary takes me to see him sometimes. Um, because if you remember, Mary has gone ahead with their friend Fredegar to set up Frodo's um, house that he's retiring to. I mean, he did liter- legitimately buy this house. Um to retire to to make it seem you know to just be like legitimize the journey a little bit yeah so people don't talk as much even though they will um so he meets up with frodo and he um doesn't immediately act like he recognizes the name but he does be say like oh like literally a creeper dude was just here asking for a baggins and i assumed it was asking for Bilbo um and so like based on what we know about Hobbits in the Nazgul like how would you expect well that's what I I can't help but laugh being like oh some like big girl in black and scary was asking for you and I was just like oh he's down the road it's no big deal versus like I pooped my pants and yeah. um, he went to go ask someone else because I was petrified with fear so I couldn't answer it. I know that's why I've always kind of thought that the there's the there's a hobbit that in the movie the yeah. Nazgul sees and he's like Shire Baggins you know and he's like oh they're up in Hobbiton and he has a dog and the only other hobbit that we see with dogs is Farmer Maggot so I'm like that could also be him. Like, but Farmer Maggot does not act like that when he meets the mm-hmm. Nazgul. He's very much upset. Like, he does feel fear. Like, he describes it as a shiver when he sees the guy. And he's all, but he's mostly mad that he's like up all up in his property. Like, mm. the, the gate was open. He's like right up to his door on his horse. And like, so if you could imagine the scale of that, like, I'm a full grown man who is literally thousands of years old Uh because he is in the spirit realm now on a real which are big yeah Yeah, horses are huge yeah and he's got his dogs but his dogs kind of like yelp and run away um so he's like up against it and he's like well i don't see why you should that doesn't give you the right to be on my property and he's like, you know what? Hot baggins don't live around here. And the ring wraith is like, well, I'll come back with gold. It, like, he's like, I know baggins is close. I'll come back with gold if you tell me if you see him. And he's like, Psh, no, get out of here. And the ring wraith like hisses at him. And he's like, it could have been a laugh. It could have been not. And I'm like, that description is so spooky. Such a and weird then, interaction. I know. And then he, then the guy, like almost runs him over to, and leaves um and then Frodo shows up not I don't know maybe half an hour or something later which is why so it's like they're they're having all these close encounters but then they like stop to hang out at Farmer Magus even though they know because they cannot say no to food essentially um and then you know farmer maggot tells them all of this and they frodo is obviously not really explaining much to him and he's like i can see that you're not telling me but i'm not gonna ask you know he's like Uh very considerate of frodo and like they later mary gives this description that like farmer maggot is a shrewd fellow a lot goes on behind his round face that does not come out in his talk um and so i think that and he also, like, eventually they talk about the old forest. Like, that's the, their next step. So Farmer Maggot uh, feeds them and offers to drive them to Buckleberry Ferry so that they don't have to walk it. And then they have, like, you know, kind of a respite and they're maybe a little bit more protected on this cart, Yeah, you know? Well, um, what, and he, he does that because I was like, oh, yeah, that was sketchy. Yeah, I'll, I'll, exactly. <laughs> 
Sorry, I gave you a hotel. Tell that you're being followed and you are scared. So I'm going to offer to like have let you guys have dinner with us and then I'm going to take you down to Buckleberry Ferry and then they meet Mary there and he was like it tries to psych you out as if they're going to run into another ring ray but it's Mary like mm. in a, he's like wearing a scarf because it's foggy and stuff and they're sure. like you know their fear just makes them think that he was bigger than he was um and so then they take the ferry to his house which is called Crick Hollow which I wish that was cute that's mm-hmm. a cute name <laughs> and then that's where um they kind of talk more about what's happened and Mary and Pippin explain that like they pretty much know everything that's been going on so far and Frodo feels a little betrayed but this is also when Mary uh they talk about next steps and they decide that they're, they they want to do everything that they can to avoid the ring race and even the they don't know they'll be called black riders at this point mm-hmm. they don't know what they are of course um and so they talk about going through the old forest and their friend Fredegar, who they call Fatty, <laughs> which I don't know how I feel <laughs> about that. But um, he's like, you don't want to go through the old forest. And they're like, well, we definitely will run into these guys on the road. Mm-hmm, uh-huh. And he's like, nobody goes into the old forest. It's spooky. And Mary's like, you know, the Brandy Bucks do. Uh, so they decide to go that way. And then Mary, when he's talking about Farmer Maggie, he said that I've heard that he used to go into the old forest at one time and he has the reputation of knowing a good many strange things. And I was actually reading a little bit and there was a version of the beginning of Lord of the Rings where he almost made Farmer Maggot like a character like Tom Bombadil, who we're going to see in the next episode. Okay. Who is essentially kind of like otherworldly, but then he decided to make him like a hobbit, essentially. But he's very smart. He knows what is up, Ooh. essentially. So he's like one of those characters where, like, I totally understand cutting him, but I do think that he shows kind of like the breadth of hobbits. Like, we see them being silly and kind of, you know, we see the ones that are like talking about queer folk abroad and like, you know, thinking that if they just stay in the Shire and stay out of trouble, that no trouble will come to them. And then he's a little bit more worldly. You know, he, mm-hmm. he, know, he knows a little bit more about what's going on. And um, and also, like, he shooed a ring rate. So It definitely would have helped expand that world, that part of the world. Yeah. So, like, I totally get cutting him, but I do think he's really fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a cool guy. I mean, he was like, go, go away, you know? Yeah. Like, please stop bothering me. He's in the next town over, you know? Yeah. And I, and I love that he offers, he's like, hey, Frodo, like, I always was worried when I heard that you were moving in to Hobbiton. Like, those guys are weird over there. And Sam is like... <laughs> No, cool. Uh, but he's like, you know, if you come back and live among sensible folk, like I'll, if that guy comes back, I'll tell him you're dead. I'll tell him you've left. I'll tell him whatever you want. Like, and I'm like, that's a, he's like, you haven't seen Frodo in like 30 yes. years. You're a real one, farmer. Maggot. He's a G. Yeah. <laughs> so I just, you know, if, if you're listening and you haven't read the books, I think he's one of those characters where it's like, yeah, I get cutting him, but I really do love him. Mm-hmm. Are there any like characters like that in Game of Thrones, Anna? Where it's like, yeah, I can see why you cut them because of you know for the show, but yeah. I really did like him. And let me um find this character's name real quick. I think I know, but I yep, I yep, I did have it right. Okay, so I'm also gonna start off by saying I don't know the exact uh like politically correct words to use um but so for what well so i'll get into it i'll get into all right, it. all right so in the tv show peter dinklage's character Tyrion, um when he gets uh saved by Varys and you know he's being taken to Essos uh to you know not get killed because Joffrey just died and they're like oh my god this is crazy yeah uh and he kind of 
he he was with Varys, and then he gets kidnapped by. Hold on. Pregnancy brain, help me, Josh. What? Tyrion gets kidnapped by uh, the guy with the gray scale. Jorah, sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah. He gets kidnapped by Jorah, uh, and then they make it to see Danny. Well, mm-hmm. that doesn't, it doesn't happen like that in the books. Uh, Tyrion actually finds himself coming into contact with a bunch of different um, characters as he is fleeing and forcefully being fleed. Uh, mm-hmm. And he runs into this group of people, one of them uh, being a fellow little person, person mm-hmm. with dwarfism. Uh, yeah. uh, her name is Penny. Uh, and she had, like, she's she's mad be- at, at him because her brother was actually killed because uh, Cersei sent out that that Oh, like a hitman? The hitman, yeah, to be like, bring me my brother. He's a dwarf and he has a scar. So basically lots of uh, dwarves were being uh, sent to her dead. And one of them was her brother. So when she found out that this person that she was traveling with was the person that, you know. Yeah, that her her brother died because they were searching for him. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like this interesting dynamic of like, her being mad, but then them like sticking up for each other. And then they end up both being uh, slaves uh, together for this other house. And it's, it's like, it's, it's really complicated, like chain of events, but I think the interactions with them is really interesting because throughout the whole series, you know, he talks about, you know, he's alone. He feels like he's such a freak um, mm. because he doesn't know another, you know, like another little person because basically the only reason why he's alive is because he was son of Taiwan. Usually people who um, have this genetic disorder are are killed or they're made slaves or they're in like, wow. they get forced into like a circus situation, which is what Penny was. Um, mm. So I found it to be very interesting for Tyrion's character to have these experiences with someone like him. Um, uh, And you don't, you don't get to see that in the, in the TV shows, you know, there's, there's that long strain of, he feels alone. He, they, they remind um, viewers quite often that, you know, he's, he's very aware of his condition. And um, I get why they cut all of that, like the, the whole him just being with Jorah and going straight to Danny. That's right. much more like, linear. We already know these characters. We gotta Yeah. Um and what what's interesting is like well in the book they don't like they don't make it there. Like that is still mm-hmm. something that is unknown to readers if oh. they make it to Danny. Uh but in the TV show, I get why they cut out all of those extra characters, why they cut out all of those extra points along the way, because um, it's just a lot and it's unnecessary, and it is a lot more of character building and world building than it necessarily. But but I also don't know. I don't know if it's story important. plot line important yeah. because that book hasn't come out yet. But I, That's rough. yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but I think yeah. that having that character development in that way for that character um, was really interesting and valid. And we don't get to see that in the TV show. Yeah. I think that the, the Lord of the Rings movie does cut out a lot of stuff like that. And it's like, I get it. Like as far as like character building, like we were talking about before with um, Mary and Pippin are just kind of like shoved into this adventure and so many of their lines get cut in the movie and like they and they are like key players along this adventure you know they make so many things happen without even knowing what they're doing Mm -hmm. you know um but these first few chapters are where we're kind of getting to know them and getting to see their relationship with Frodo and seeing like multiple sides of Frodo as well because like one thing that I have always loved like 
about book Frodo is that he ha- is like a multifaceted guy. Like we were talking about him dealing with the elves and being really knowledgeable and worldly, but he does kind of like people act like Elijah Wood's version of Frodo or like whatever Peter Jackson made Elijah Wood do. It's like kind of like whiny or whatever, but he does have moments where I'm like, Frodo, why are you that? You're rude. Like, um, <laughs> Like, there's a moment where when they first leave Bag End and he's like, oh, I'm sure you guys have given me all the heaviest stuff. Like, why did I decide to walk? In the and books? Pippin is like, yeah. And Pippin is like, uh, shut up. You know, he's like, you're like, you're the one who wanted to walk. And also, like, you get used to it, buddy. And and Sam goes, oh, I'm sure I could take more. And then Frodo, that's when Frodo is like, oh, like, I'm sorry, Sam. That is... No, you definitely have taken more than your fair share. I'm just being a butt. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, and then there's a moment here in um, a conspiracy unmasked where Frodo is trying to work up the courage to tell them, like, hey, guys, I'm actually leaving the Shire and nobody can know where I'm going or I can't even use my name. You know, he's, like, trying to figure out how he's going to tell them that. And Mary's like, I can help. We know exactly what you're up to. And we know that you're leaving the Shire. We know about the ring. And um, like he's like, I knew about the ring because Bilbo tried to avoid the Sackville Baggins this one time. And I just kind of like kept an eye on him. Uh-huh. And ever since Bilbo left the Shire, you know, a few years ago, we've been keeping an eye on you. And he was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I can tell you our chief conspirator right now and he's like who is it and then it's sam sam Sam, yeah like sam told them about like the conversation with gandalf he told them about the deal with sauron and how he knows you know they're basically up to speed essentially and um frodo was and they're like yeah and then pippin's like we're coming with you and then and, he, and then Frodo also gets mad at Sam. He's like, can I not trust anybody? And immediately hurts Sam's feelings. <laughs> Sam is immediately like, oh, like, I was trying to do it to help you. Yeah. And then Mary's like, hey, it all depends on what you want. Like, do you want to do this by yourself? Or do you want, like, your best friends to be there to back you up? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, it's like, you can trust that we will keep your secrets better than you. You know, <laughs> and I think they had to cut that from the movie. So then, when he does it at the end of Fellowship of the Ring, you really feel like, oh, he left them. Everyone is sad. You know, this was such a yeah, yeah. But I, I love that they're like, dude, we know exactly what we're up. I mean, they don't know exactly, but they think they know what they're in for. Mm-hmm. And they're like, you know what, man, we we don't want you to have to do this by yourself. And you know. Gandalf told you, to, like, Gildor told you to bring people you could trust. And Frodo was like, that's true. Elves told me to bring people I trust. Mm-hmm. So, um, And that's one thing. That's, a, like, a minor change where Frodo's, or Sam says to Frodo, you know, don't leave, don't you leave him, Samwise Gamgee. And he says that Gandalf, it's, you know, something Gandalf's told him before he left, which I think makes a lot of sense. Like, you, like, I love that they kept it, but gave it to Gandalf as something to say instead of like, like Gildor, this elf that we see like one time ever, yeah. tells Sam to, you know, keep up, you know, to stay with Frodo no matter what, and Sam is all like, of course, you know, I'll if you know we see those Black Riders again, they'll have to deal with Samwise Gamgee, and it's like, oh, they are literally undead yeah. beings, you precious baby. <laughs> He doesn't know. I He's going to stand up so for his BFF no matter what. I know. Relatable. Yeah, I feel that too. So they all agree to go with Frodo. And I think that that is... I think it's good to know that Merry and Pippin were in it for the long haul. Mm-hmm. You know? Because then there's a part in... Um, the Council of Elrond that we'll talk about soon, where they like continue to double down on this, and I just think it's the greatest. Nice because because like the theme of not just fellowship but friendship runs deep, you know. That is like, that is a big theme that they're working with. Yeah, and I and I love that it's like even when we know that they get separated, 
and they're like all across the map you know um but they're all still thinking about frodo and sam and they're still you know doing what they can to try to help each other even when like even when like it gets really rough and frodo and sam are by the miles away from anybody they know and they're like they want to give up but it's like they know that their friend just like the knowledge that you know your friends are still out there doing the thing like they're all still very aware of that you know i don't think anybody ever entertains the idea that any other member of the fellowship has given up Mm -hmm. at any point that i can think of and i think that's lovely that is a nice sentiment Mm -hmm. that is so at that point they they're about to and one other thing that i love that i think that like you and alex appreciate is that like frodo's like okay well you guys are coming but like are we like what all do we have to do to set off as soon as possible because you know he asked mary like how fast could the like the black riders be here and he's like well they could have been here by now but there's no way that the people at the gate would have let them in because they're spoopy. Um, <laughs> but it's not like Buckland could take an attack from them. So, you know, maybe I don't know what their way. And so Frodo's like, Ugh, okay. Um, so he's like, okay, we're going to leave at dawn or whatever. And, but like, do we have everything we need? And Mary's like, boy, we've got, we've, we, everything could be packed and ready to go in an hour. Mm. And he's like, <laughs> Why are you so efficient? Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's also cool. Like they they are they've got it together. Yes. And I think like Mary and Pippin in the movies are a little bit more like haphazard. Yeah, it, it's those aren't the vibes they're given no. Mary and Pippin in the movies. <laughs> yeah. And it's like they are like adorable typical hobbits that are maybe more on the silly side but i think that they i mean they are a brandy buck and a toque and they are ready to do what it takes mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so you know just shout out to mary and pippin for being the bestest of friends oh, the squad is coming for rivendell yes <laughs> so they're about to go into the old forest in the movie they hop on buckleberry ferry and then it immediately cuts to them getting to Bree. mm-hmm which on the map is actually a lot further. Like, it makes it seem like they get there in, like, the same night. It's dark when it... You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, obviously, for pacing, it makes sense. Yeah. I get it. You had to cut Tom Bombadil. Yeah. Who we're going to talk about next episode. Um, And... But, you know, it's just funny because it's, like... it's It's almost like they took the map and, like folded it and then stitched it right there so that it's like boop instead of you know Mm -hmm. um so that's kind of where that leaves us story wise um but some of my some fun facts about this is that so we're continuing to see some hobbit songs in this section we've already mentioned one when they're in the woods um it won't be an episode if Andrew does not talk about a poem or a song. <laughs> I mean, it's not poking if we don't talk about a poem or a song. So, um, let's see. What is the song that they're singing when they first run into the Nazgul? Okay, so that's where they're... Um, this is when they're in the woods and they're, like, chilling and they're feeling pretty safe. And before they hear the screaming... <laughs> If if you want to call it that, so they're chatting with the, each other. The Nazgul. Yeah. So there's. Yeah. Is that what they're screaming? Is? I guess I feel like I I feel like they must have heard them. Um, I feel like it's implied that they've heard the hobbits, but they don't exactly know where they are. They know they're in the woods in this like stretch of woods um, that's between some more farmland in the marsh. Mm-hmm. Like in between there and Buckland. And so they they're like eating and they're like, Oh, it's a nice day and then they start singing and then the Nazgul are like, Hey, I think they're somewhere over here. And then they got another Nazgul's like, Cool, because I haven't heard anything. 
I have no idea what they're saying. This is this is just me. It's a screen, people. Right. I don't know. You don't, don't translate know. the Nazgul stream. But this is what I imagine they were saying. Um, I wonder if the Nazgul know how evil they are. Totes. They seem very prideful of like their spooky vibes. So yeah, they gotta know. I guess they've been dealing with it for a long time. Because I'm gonna bet that when they realized that the rings that they had been given weren't just to make them more powerful you know because like they enjoy some success because of the rings for some time before they start to fade into nothingness but you know and i i they must resent sauron for that though i feel like evil people are always mad at everybody do you know what i mean yeah like maybe they did just want to live forever and they would do whatever it took to do that and so now they're kind of doing that like, but well, I asked for this, so maybe <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> I asked that was my nozzle sniffing. I don't know if it I was love good it. or not. <laughs> yeah, I think it was pretty good. Yeah. Pretty accurate. Gosh, um, I, I, I just need it. I need someone to like. I need to I see know. it. <laughs> I just, just so crazy. I think that it that a witch king spinoff show would be excellent i would not be mad yeah i think if they don't become characters at some point they don't i don't even think they have to have a big storyline but if they don't make an appearance somewhere towards the end of these seasons of rings of power it's gonna be a big miss i mean like at least for some fan service hopefully they yeah because i think they would be an excellent spin-off series because there's so much that happens in the third age before we even get to lord of the rings Mm -hmm. like this is the end of the third age this is the last year or so of the third age when all of this action happens you know so there's this whole bit where the witch king is he's like taken over how could what are you eating uh salmon and veggies so i can just tell by my fish can pregnant people audio thing that sometimes you're picking up his his movement, but there's nothing we can do about that. So I'm saying sorry to your Josh ahead of time. Say what? I'm saying sorry to your Josh ahead of time. No. It's not perfectly sad. It's not perfectly quiet. Oh, it's fine. Okay. We'll figure it out. I can always just like dip you out. If ah, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it would make an excellent spinoff dealing with because they're because the witch king goes to war with like the remainder of the kingdom left in eridor like a parts of arnor which is like that part of the other side of the misty mountains like oh okay. shire is near it this is all still a part of so like later when uh aragorn becomes king he's not only king of gondor but he's also king of like this part of the map um west of the misty mountains because essentially his ancestors had set up kingdoms on both sides. Okay. So, um, but he like gifts the Shire to the Hobbits. But anyway, but there's like the Witch King sets up shop north of there and goes to war with the men of Arnor. And um, pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. I, I, you know, write Amazon right now. Tell them I you want to see that. I know. Did- I should find that email <laughs> and be like, hey, if like I know that people aren't there are a lot of people that are highly skeptical of your Rings of Power show. Um, but I think that if you <laughs> do X, Y and Z, you will have at least one viewer. Um, and it's me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Two, because I'd watch it. Hey, there we go. We're building a market. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Write to us on our socials and tell us if you would watch the Witch King of Angmar spinoff series. Like, no shoehorning in Hobbits. No, actually, they. I think that you could actually put Hobbits in it if you want. Because there's a part where they s- say that Hobbits sent some people to fight in some war at some point. Whoa. It could have been that one. Um, so yeah, 
Maybe maybe if enough people watch Rings of Power, we could get a spinoff. I'm sure they're going to be fine. Yeah. I'm... They're going to be fine. Because... Yeah. Um, when I this is this is a, just a tangent now, and uh, HBO does this a lot, where like one show will end, and then there'll be like a mm. small break, and then you you know that they're gearing up for another show. So like in the past, it'd be like True Blood and Entourage, and then um, were they on at the same time? Then what was it? It was something like that, and then or it would have been. Westworld and then The Leftovers or like something like that where mm. you, they were always trying to keep you from canceling your subscription. Totally. Um, and yes, these are these are different platforms. I recognize that. But Game of Thrones will be ending around when or theoretically if they do 10 episodes True. when Lord of the Rings starts. So I think that it was surely studios talk to each other they don't compete with each other but also in the sense that like people who are watching game of thrones are just going to start watching lord of the rings because that will be over and they'll need something else to entertain themselves so yeah it's totally because they wouldn't want to conflict with a major opening you know what i mean yeah like i'm sure they won't want to like start at the same time as witcher season three or something right right you know because it's like it's a similar fan base yes absolutely people interested in this probably also want to be interested in that so yeah so on and so forth yes so i'm not i i'm not worried about their numbers yeah but will they give me the show that I'm specifically asking for? They, they should. That's all I know is that they should. <laughs> yeah. Because that's also one where I think you can have a lot of fun with it. And, like, I don't know. People are kind of giving them hell for, like, it's going to be corporate fan fiction. But, like, I'm not worried about that. Like, they don't have nearly the same amount of material to work with. Um, so it's it's going to be them kind of working with what they got. Mm-hmm. Making them stuff in between but i think with the witch king it's it's essentially like it could be so action-packed that i don't think like trying to get the dialogue right or you know like it's gonna be as big of a deal right it'll be like the witcher where it's yeah it's more action-based at least i think so than it is yeah dialogue based are you watching The Witcher for the dialogue um personally i i am not but yeah. <laughs> It's the, the last thing that's important like, about that show. <laughs> Which was just kind of like fun to have on, right? <laughs> there are a couple things I like about it. Yeah. That's fun. Yeah. Henry Cavill. I finally watched it. Yeah. Yeah. He's funny. I love that he's like a big old nerd. Yeah. I just love that. It's like you're not a real human. Because he is just... I've gotten enough weird, creepy tangents on this uh, podcast already. I am not gonna do that on this episode. <laughs> we'll we'll save The Witcher for a, for a Henry Cavill for another day. Yeah, who knows when? Um. Uh, but okay. So essentially, they uh, if you want to hear any like the song changes that they made, do you? Do you? we've got to conclude this somehow and you you, okay. you want to talk about it and I know you do so please <laughs> I just think it's cool so so they have um, so they sing this drinking song and in the book it's ho ho to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woe rain may fall and wind may blow and many miles be still to go but under a tall tree I will lie and let the clouds go sailing up by so that's adorable very appropriate for the setting that they're in but then they take that and then like the second verse of Bilbo's bath song because note they all three go have a bath um when in they Mary has somehow I do not understand hobbit plumbing but <laughs> in Crick Hollow they have a bathroom and it ha- and Mary is like I've got three tubs set up for y'all to take a bath <laughs> so that you're you know can like have dinner and be clean yeah um so and then Pippin sings this song and like the really the only verse that they use the second one and oh sweet is the sound of the falling rain and the brook that leaps from hill to plain but better than rain or rippling streams is water hot that smokes and steams 
It's like literally about having a bath. And they combine these two so it's like, hey ho to the bottle I go to heal my heart and drown my woe. Rain may fall and wind may blow and there's still be many miles to go. Um, and then it cuts to sweet is the sound of the falling rain, pouring rain. Um, I can't remember exactly how they changed that. In the then, movies, yeah. Yeah, and and then it, it ends with better than ra- rain or rippling book or stream or rippling book is a mug of beer inside this took. So they, they turn the bath song into a drinking song and mm-hmm. they make this just one yeah. song. And that's the song that you hear them sing um, in the pub in that yeah. extended edition scene. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, Tolkien is just like sprinkling little poems throughout. He loves and, it. Yeah. but it, And it, there's so many. It does also, you know, like, do we not just do that in our regular lives? Like, it seems very... Um, making the characters seem a little bit more personable because we listen to music yeah. all the time. We sing songs all the time. That's just a part of everyday life. So yeah, just I'll like, be doing it too. Yeah. Makes it feel more lived in. Yeah. I would say. Um, so that is kind of, those are kind of like the big differences um, in this section. And obviously like there's a lot that gets, changed or cut out and then in the next episode we're going to be talking about we're going to talk about tom bombadil and we're also going to be talking about uh, finally getting to brie because i think it would be if you've only watched the movies i don't want to just have an episode that is completely cut you know from from the movies and if you're coming at this from just seeing the movies like i definitely want you to know about tom bombadil but he's not crucial mm-hmm. um and and some good stuff happens in brie so like i want something that you know about to be in the episode so that's what we're going to be talking about next time um and we're actually going to have our first guest next time Ooh. and then after that it's kind of going to be like lots of guests um until i think until two towers and then, you know, we'll see from there. But people have committed. If everything works out, great. So um, our first guest is Silmarimily on TikTok and on Twitter. Um, I'm just going to call her Emily next week. So she's combined like the Silmarillion and Emily yeah, in yeah. Her, is her user, which I think is I follow. Cool. I follow. Yeah. So um, she's going to be our first guest. And uh, we will see what happens next. That's exciting. To hear thoughts. Yeah. So um, that, so where does that leave us? So we're um, in the movie. We're about to enter Brie. And here we're going to, and then in the book, we're going to meet Tom Bombadil. See what, see what we think about him as a character. So it's, uh, you know, some people don't like him at all. Okay. Some people do. Okay. And um, I will try to explain him to the best of my ability. I'm sure you'll go and... above and beyond. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we'll we'll get to what happens in Brie, which I think is the most fun part of next episode. Sounds good to me. Great. So thank you so much for tuning in for another installment of Tolkien with Friends. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>